As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hello, I'm Dan Bardell. And I'm Flo Lloyd-Hughes. And welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. It's Wednesday, which means we'll be picking out some of the best work available on the Athletic right now and putting the author under the spotlight. Non-fungible tokens, or NFTs, are exploding in popularity. They're being used by things like art, baseball cards, and even Jack Dorsey's first tweet. The biggest companies in the world, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google, all companies that don't have a product that you can hold, but a digital product, and they are worth billions of dollars. So they've got more money than they want to do with, and this is kind of almost the latest kind of Rolex watch or Lamborghini thing. It's like, because I can, I've spent £50,000 on an NFT. This week, we're going to highlight an article by The Athletics Investigations writer Joey Durso all about NFTs and why footballers are spending thousands on cartoon monkeys. Yeah, so if you're like me and you've been trying to wrap your head around what on earth a non-fungible token actually is and why they're worth so much money, as well as the more serious concerns surrounding football and its growing connection with the crypto bros, we've got you covered this week. We're going to say hello to Joey in just a moment, but Flo... You get to a game this weekend, or did you have a game that was controversially postponed at the last minute, as is so on vogue at the moment? I got to one game, but one game was postponed, I think semi-controversially. I was at Millwall on Saturday, which went ahead, um, but on, on Friday, the game that was meant to be on Sunday, which was Arsenal Women versus Reading, was postponed uh, by request from Reading and it was interesting because they've got a quite small squad and they don't have a massive budget but they could obviously probably sign more players if they wanted to Um, throughout the season I have noticed that Reading have a lot of really young players on their bench we're talking like 16 year olds and you can't find any information about them and a lot of them are making their league debuts and their request was made because of a combination of injuries and COVID. I think it is probably frustrating if you're an Arsenal team with a much bigger squad who could probably tap into playing a lot of their academy. You would say, well, you know, make it work. Like, if, if, if you can, when I think the overwhelming thing wasn't necessarily COVID cases. And I think that's why, and what we're going to talk about with, with Charlie's article, it gets a little bit controversial. 
Yeah, I mean, I didn't get to the football at the weekend, but that's because my mate unbelievably organised his stag do on the same weekend as Aston Villa against Manchester United. Absolute disgrace. Yeah, I was really unhappy, to be honest. But I did enjoy myself, and Villa didn't lose, so that's always a good thing. Spurs correspondent Charlie Eckershare has been writing about how Premier League COVID-19 postponements have turned a little bit toxic over the last week. So we'll come back to that one towards the end of the podcast. But do remember, you can sign up to The Athletic today for just £3.33 a month for 12 months. Just head to theathletic.com slash football pod and you will enjoy unrivaled sports writing as well as ad-free versions of all our podcasts, including this one. And in case you haven't heard yet, a reminder that with the January transfer window open once again, The Athletic are recording daily transfer shows, bringing you exclusive news and insight on all the big deals from the best newsroom in the industry. The only place you'll hear these podcasts is on The Athletic app or by subscribing to The Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. So go ahead and start your free trial today if you haven't done so already. Right, let's welcome Joey onto the podcast, investigations reporter for The Athletic. I've been carrying out my own investigations and honestly, I do not get this at all, like at all. I've read your article a couple of times now and I'm still none the wiser as to what the point of all this is. Hopefully you'll be able to tell us. You mean you wouldn't spend 40 grand on a cartoon monkey? Probably not. Probably not at the the moment. Would you spend it if it was a cartoon monkey of... Uh, Jack Grealish. Well, not now, no. Not <laughs> Maybe now. last year, last summer, Coutinho. would you? Philly Coutinho. Yeah. I just, I, honestly, <laughs> I can't get my head around it at, at all. Like what it's got to do with football? Why monkeys? Uh, jo- Joey, let's 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 start at the beginning then. For 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 people that may have read the piece or or not read the piece, I, I laughed when I saw the piece come on my Athletic homepage because. I think we all saw around Christmas time, I think it was John Terry did the first sort of tweet about purchasing this for his wife or something. Um, and yeah, he said, children. And yeah. then children. And it was a picture of this cartoon monkey and it got sent to so many of my WhatsApp groups, so many people saying, this is weird, NFTs are weird, it's giving me bad vibes. And then so a few weeks later, I obviously see your piece and I think, oh my God, not the monkeys again, they're haunting me. Um, but your piece starts... Uh, with a reference to Reese James, obviously another a Chelsea connection, and his tweet with another picture of a monkey, and the tweet says, "I just acquired May C caps uh, number one o four four two from my guy at Ishmilly at board ape YC. Where are my apes at? Um, please tell us what the hell these yeah. apes are." There's, kind of, there's a lot to there's a lot to unpack there, isn't there? I mean, so an NFT is a non fungible token, right? So basically, most people have heard of cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, um, and it's the same technology called blockchain technology. Um, it's kind of related to it, but not the same thing. Basically, a non fungible token is a if you have it like a trading card or like a sort of program from a match, it's supposedly a sort of digital version of that. So if I've got a picture of a monkey, I can say I'm the only person in the world who has this monkey. So people liken it to sort of physical art, like, you know, the Mona Lisa, there's only one of them. There is a bit of a flaw in that argument though, which is that you can obviously like right click and save it, which you can't do on the Mona Lisa. Um, but then you don't have the same sort of code, which says I own this one monkey. So Reese James can prove I'm the person who owns this board ape monkey um, for like tens or hundreds of thousands of pounds. I still, but I noticed this, I'm just baffled. I understand, no, but I understand Joey, what, you, what you've said to me. 
it made yeah. sense. Well, I suppose I suppose instead of like sort of the technology aspect, I mean, it's basically a, a plaything for rich people, right? It's like yeah. if you've got more money than you know what to do with, you've got your fast car, you've got your expensive watch, you've got your expensive flat. Remember, these footballers are very, they don't have a lot of free time. They, they can't go on three-day benders. Like, you know, if you're a rapper and you've got loads of money, I'm sure there's all sorts of crazy stuff you're doing. But footballers are kind of elite athletes. They spend half their lives like on a coach or, you know, in a hotel room somewhere. So they've got more money than they know what to do with. And this is kind of almost the latest kind of Rolex watch or Lamborghini thing. It's like, oh, I've just, you know, because I can, I've spent £50,000 on an NFT. Joey, before we move on, I actually want to just um, play out a clip uh, from Luke Franks, who's host of Welcome to the Metaverse, because in it, he actually referenced exactly what you say, which is about the Mona Lisa and this kind of unique element to NFTs and especially the, 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 the apes, shall we say. So let's hear from Luke. So the way that I like to describe why NFTs can have value is to think about uh, why something is valuable in the normal physical world. So if you take the Mona Lisa, for example, uh, why is that actually valuable? Well, it's not because of the materials that were used uh, to create that piece. The canvas it's on isn't particularly valuable or the dye in the paint. Um, it's valuable for three reasons. One is that we can prove who created it, right? Leonardo da Vinci is one of the most famous artists of all time. We can also prove that he only made one of them. There's only one Mona Lisa in existence, and we can prove who owns it now. It's in the Louvre in Paris. So in other words, there's three things there. We can prove the creator, the scarcity of the piece, and the ownership now. And uh, NFTs using this new type of technology called the blockchain um, enables this to happen for the first time ever for digital things. So we can now prove uh, who creates something, uh, the scarcity of a digital thing and who owns it now, all on the blockchain for digital items. So that expands to a million different things. Art is one example, but it really affects every type of industry, including sports. So for example, uh, if you found a youth player that was amazing, you thought they were great and nobody else did, um, and they had an NFT, I'm not talking about an art piece, but just something that represents them digitally, you could buy that. Maybe that has a special access perks. Maybe you get a signed shirt and a chance to meet and greet the player. As that player's career explodes, uh, suddenly that early NFT that you owned might become very, very valuable to somebody else. Uh, so it's a way of kind of potentially sharing the upside of somebody's success in that context uh, or a way of giving you kind of access um, for being an owner of that NFT and supporting that player as one example. And this is all happening in a world that is trending rapidly towards a more and more digital existence. So the biggest companies in the world, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google, all companies that don't have a product that you can hold, but a digital product and they are worth billions of dollars. So really NFTs give you the chance to own digital assets yourself outright uh, without the involvement of any sort of company i think for me the the way i like to kind of imagine it is anyone who was kind of on facebook in its maybe early glory days farmville when that was like a huge facebook game or people who play a lot of video games you know fortnite has been huge over the last few years also very popular with footballers the skins, like the the maps, I think they are, and and the added products like weapons or, or whatever, you you spend real money on those things, but they exist in a digital world. I mean, I don't play Fortnite, but with a skin, you can use it in the game, right? Whereas these things, there's no tangible use. Yeah, if I pop on Microsoft Paint now and draw a <laughs> monkey or an ape or whatever, and then I if I text a footballer I know and say, look, I've got this, you pay me twenty grand. You can be the only well, person in the world that has that. What can I not do that? The the, the thing is, it's not on the blockchain, which means no, these NFTs the you can prove. That, get it on the blockchain, then you're laughing. It's it's the brand, isn't it? It's it's the latest fad that that footballers and yeah. lots of people in the world are kind of attaching themselves onto. 
or is it is there actually something intrinsically valuable because it is linked to cryptocurrencies which as controversial and unregulated as they are do you have potentially a value yeah i mean and i guess no one knows the answer to that question right and lots of these people buy these as financial investments and they bought them for 100 pounds six months ago now they're worth 50,000 and they're hoping that they'll sell them for a million but no one knows and they could just crash dramatically i mean in the late 90s i believe there was like a beanie baby bubble where like you know the little beanie babies that you buy for like 10 pounds in a toy shop yeah um there was this like craze about rare ones and people buying and selling them for like hundreds of thousands of millions yeah, of pounds. Yeah, I was I, I was on the fad but never made any money, but I convinced uh, my mum that we couldn't remove the tags. And one of our readers actually referenced the Beanie Baby craze in the comments. And I think there was some interesting comments as a whole about this because lots of people are kind of referencing things in computer games or Beanie Babies to try and make sense of this because you're combining yeah. the digital world and the real world and that's hard for a lot of us to kind of make sense of. And I, I, what, what happened with the Beanie Baby thing, though, is it crashed spectacularly because people were buying selling Beanie Babies for like a million pounds, but there was actually no underlying kind of value to that. And if you buy some, if you sell, if you buy and sell a Lamborghini, you know, you can use that or a Rolex watch. Or whereas with the Beanie Baby, the value was purely in the hype, and then it just. So cynical people think this is going to happen with NFTs, or you know, they could go up and they could have these uses like your very interesting listeners there. Although this could be very, very embarrassing for those players, basically, because, you know, if you're a rich person and you want to spend 50 grand on something stupid, like, fair enough, but the point is they're pushing it to their followers, lots of whom won't have as much money and might be, you know, taking another mortgage on their house to buy a cartoon monkey. Um, so I think there's a real danger there when this is promoted to a sort of mass audience. One thing I found quite strange is that, like, Rhys James's tweet, Quite contrived the way it's written. Like he hasn't wrote that. The the messaging's quite weird. The way he's and John been Terry's written. as well. John Terry's the same. I saw someone else, a celebrity, do a very similar what, Eminem, tweet this morning. Jimmy Fallon. But Reese Witherspoon loves NFTs. But it's the word. Yeah, it's, the, it's, it's the word. One. It's the word. <laughs> like it makes it seem like they're being it paid to do it. It makes right? it dodgy. To me, the wording yeah. well, of the tweets make it dodger. So Reese James, I worked out because you can kind of track the transactions on the blockchain. Reese James was gifted his. Um, which you know it makes sense if you're trying to get hype for these. Yeah. You give one to a footballer for free. They tweet. I think it's got seven hundred fifty thousand followers. Uh, John Terry, I think, paid like forty grand for his. Um, but again, maybe he'll make double that in two weeks. Like you know. But I suppose what's worrying is that on Instagram and a lot of these platforms, if you are doing things where you're gifted or sponsored content or whatever, you would use a hashtag which would make it clear that this is advertising or, you know, you're being paid for a brand partnership. Whereas I think what makes this murkier and what you've detailed in the piece is players like Reese James getting gifted these. Um, and it sort of becomes like a bit like, and someone in the comments of the piece also referenced this, a pyramid scheme in some ways, because it's like, you know, yeah. you're trying to reach the heights of this footballer but he's not even paid for this in, in some circumstances. Yeah, and I suppose it's like, you know, the Beanie Babies, it's like everyone is desperate to sell it on to someone for more than they paid for it. And then mm. eventually, like, you know, it's like musical chairs and the music stops. And then it's someone holding this, like, worthless cartoon monkey. I mean, you're, you're, you're an, you know, your you're guy who spoke there, who was very interesting, to be honest. And, you know, lots of the people who talk about this stuff are like weirdo anonymous trolls. So I respect the guy for trying to set it out in normal language. But, I mean, he said, like, you know, imagine if you've got a footballer and then they do really well. And like, you know, okay, but, you know, if I like write kind of, you know, I don't know, Jaden Sancho on a piece of paper four years ago and then try, like you, you need some kind of underlying like market there. And it does remind me of, you know, people who like NFTs won't like this, but Football Index, which is a company that I've done lots of reporting on, where they had these sort of shares for footballers and, you know, 
for a while it all kind of worked. And again, you'd buy like the, the, they always use the example of Jaden Sancho because he was this obscure youth player age 15. And then he obviously became a superstar. And so people bought Jaden Sancho for one pound a share and sold it for 12 pound a share. And that like in footballing terms, they were right, but the whole financial market was just like thin air. Even if you do kind of make footballing predictions in that way, it doesn't prove that and people often say like, Oh, well, if the company collapses, I still have the NFT. And it's like, well, will that mean anything to anyone? A sort of, if I, if I was earning what, you know, Reese James is earning, then maybe I'd think, you know, it's a few tens of thousands. I might just get one, see if, see where it goes. But I think to most people, um, it's, you know, sums of money that are probably not the best place to be putting them. And there's been a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of pushback as well from, from fans and other people in the football community. And I think I tweeted something similar recently of the growing involvement of crypto companies and then NFTs at lots of different clubs. I think the club I support, QPR, re- recently launched one. Tobin Heath, yeah. big US football player. Football Index FC. With, yeah, literally Football Index FC. Tobin Heath, a big women's player, recently launched some weird M- NFT partnership. NWSL in the States has done a partnership with a cryptocurrency in the women's game. Watford, lots of Premier League clubs have big Bitcoin partnerships. But lots of fans are starting to push back a little bit because of the volatile nature of crypto. And you mentioned the piece how Trent Alexander-Arnold, you know, had a picture of an NFT of Muhammad Ali and then kind of quickly changed it back, potentially because a lot of his followers were saying, we're not a fan of this. Yeah, I mean, all the comments underneath this are universally negative and people don't like it, people don't understand it. People feel suspicious that they're being sort of, you know, tricked or scammed or whatever. Interestingly, about an hour before we record, we're recording this, uh, the Treasury, the United Kingdom, um, put out an announcement saying that they're going to massively increase regulation on cryptocurrency adverts, um, which has been sort of, you know, a long time coming. And I've done a lot on a company called Socios, which sponsors Aston Villa, a bunch of other Premier League clubs, Leeds, uh, Arsenal, Man City selling crypto to fans without really explaining what they were in the, and there's been an advertising standards authority has slapped that down. And I think the kind of, you know, the net is kind of tightening on this stuff. It's like, it was a complete free for all for a while. And now I think, you know, it's not going to go away, but I think there will be much more rules in place. And if you're selling someone a kind of risky, volatile asset, then you've got to kind of say that's what it is. And, you know, I kind of, people always say to me like, Oh, do you think like, you know, this stuff should be banned or do you think, should I do it? And it's kind of like, you know, if you want to like spend your money on what you want, like, I'm not telling you not to buy cryptocurrency or NFTs, but like, I just think, it should be people should know what they are, which is risky assets, and that you might lose your money. I think let's go to a break before my head explodes. You are listening to the Athletic Football Podcast, and when we come back, we're going to talk about John Terry's involvement, the Ape Kids Club, and if what we're really dealing with here is more cult than new tech. So stay with us. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven US based live customer service from Discover. Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. 
So if you're still skeptical about this stuff, I understand why, but also if somebody uh, 10 or 15 years ago had said to you that you'd be spending upwards of four, five, six hours a day on your phone, uh, living kind of digitally, right? Texting your friends or having a work meeting on Zoom or sharing your life on Facebook or Instagram, you probably wouldn't have believed them. That sounded really alien and like that would never happen. And that's the same for all new technology when it first arrives. So when the internet came, people didn't understand it. Why would anybody need a mobile phone? We have landlines. Even when cars were invented uh, initially, people were scared of going that fast. They thought uh, that they wouldn't survive and all these things. So when things sound strange and different, that is often where the biggest opportunity is. And the evidence is already there. So last year uh, on OpenSea, the most popular secondary trading marketplace for NFTs, uh, they did almost $20 billion of volume traded. About $200 million a day gets traded of this stuff. That doesn't mean all of it is good and a lot of it won't survive. But the technology underneath this stuff is fundamentally game changing changing and it's putting the power in the hands of us versus uh, other companies. If you post a picture on Instagram uh, and it gets some likes, look great, but you don't get any value from that. Instagram own that platform and they get uh, all of the ad revenue on that. NFTs give you the ownership and give you a chance to actually own uh, the future of this digital space. So I'd say there's a massive opportunity to learn about this stuff and still be really early on it. That was another clip from Luke Franks, their host of the podcast, Welcome to the Metaverse. Um, Some big comparisons made by Luke. Um, I can kind of understand, and and this is obviously why crypto and and other things are are really popular, the sort of growing mistrust with banks, authority, governments, those that hold power and a a growing um, need and want for independence and, and being in control and knowing where your money lies. I completely um, can relate to that in many ways. But it still also feels almost just as sort of mad to then put your money into a, another potentially untrustworthy hands. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I completely agree. And I think, um, you know, it's obviously true that in 10 years we'll be using technology that we can't even like fathom now. But I suppose. You know, if you look further back and told someone about WhatsApp 15 years ago, maybe you'd think, okay, I get that, being able to message people, but easier. It's like the telephone, but better, isn't it? Also, I think you've got to always think of these things like, where's the money coming from? Like, you know, Instagram is making loads of money because it's selling adverts to people who, like, enjoy using its product. Whereas, like, if you're making a million pounds on an NFT, you're selling that to someone else. You know, someone else is paying you for that. And why are they paying you for that? Like, is it because they want to sell it to someone else later or because they want to, like, keep it? Uh, you know, just to me, this has all the hallmarks of a bubble, but maybe I'll be wrong and look very silly while all these people are on their private islands and I'll be, you know, being snarky about them in 10 years. And let's talk about John Terry specifically then, um, because we talked about, when we talked about the coronavirus vaccine and, and how the uptake had been a little bit slow among footballers, we talked about how footballers in the dressing room can influence each other in, in big ways. You know, if one person starts to do something, if one person starts drinking turmeric shots, the whole dressing room might be drinking turmeric shots. And it seems like MFTs could have the same potential. It, John Terry seemed to be one of the first-ish big names in English football to, to to really go heavy on it and spend his own money on it. And now it seems like there's going to be a lot more in the coming days and Reese James and Trent Alexander-Arnold. And it's it's becoming a bit of a fad. I mean, why, why do you think, is it just because they're rich? Yeah, I mean, I think it's both those things. There's lots of rich people who aren't footballers who are into this. You know, I mentioned Eminem, Reese Witherspoon. Uh, Jimmy Fallon, loads of um, NFL and NBA players, you know, Brozovic in uh, Inter Milan, uh, he loves them. I, I, so I did this piece with Adam Crafton, a regular on your show, which I should have mentioned much earlier. And he, we spoke to 
couple of people kind of who you know in dressing rooms in agents who say that yeah footballers you know kind of often move as herds they listen to the same music which is kind of I guess normal for any bunch of people who work very closely together but it means particularly with these sort of financial decisions or you know it's a very kind of unique world isn't it people earning that much money um, at a young age you know your friends from school aren't going to really identify so it means that these tr- um, trends can pick on very quickly and it's the same with like anti-vax or all sorts of other things it's a very small world and they spend so much time with each other but there's you know various reports within clubs of I think also like footballers attract these sort of hangers-on sometimes and sort of vultures and people who um, you know maybe someone they've known for a long time and then suddenly one of your mates from school is earning you know obscene amounts of money or people that try and sell them things later I remember uh, is, it, is it Daniel Sturridge did a really weird tweet a while ago about like finding a barber then he was like, oh, everyone's trying to scam me. And it was, you're kind of laughing at it. And then you kind of think, actually, you know, here's like a young man who's like incredibly talented. He's been earning loads of money, more than you know what to do with at a young age. And then probably all these people are trying to like fleece you. Simultaneously, you have obscene amounts of it. And secondly, you don't want to be getting ripped off. And you're kind of trusting strange people um, to kind of make big financial decisions for you. So their relationship with money is quite odd a lot of the time to, to normal people. John Terry's involved in something called Ape Kids Club, and you just sent me the link whilst we were doing this podcast. So I've gone on it. First of all, it sounds like somewhere where you'd leave your kids when you go on holiday. <laughs> Second thing, you go on the website and it just looks like a saying from Dumbo. What is Ape's Kids Club and why is John Terry involved in that? Because he, he feels like a weird person to be involved in it to me because he's not a young footballer. He's trying to become a manager. You know, if you're, hot, if you're looking for a football manager at the moment as an owner of a football club and you say John Terry's involved in something like this, this isn't going to make me think, oh, he's the right guy to come into my club. It's, it's weird. It's so weird. And yeah, so it's 9,999 baby apes. So these are each NFTs of apes that are being sold. But they're based, and the whole website is you know, apekidsclub.io if you want to have a look at it if you're listening. I mean, it's clearly aimed at like a seven-year-old. It, um, that. Yeah. And as you know, is it a great, but um, you know, combining seven-year-olds and volatile financial assets that cost thousands of pounds i mean and are they are they actually linked to the apes that john terry and reese james have are they like supposed to be the children of those big apes yeah i don't know if they're like formally linked but it's kind of a, a spin-off because they made right. these bored apes are the famous ones and they're so expensive now they're like tens of thousands of pounds so they're also spin-off projects but the, another really weird thing about this is there's no like you know if you look at a company you scroll to the bottom you see like their address you can see the name of the ceo you know you know that if there was any like legal issues or whatever you know who you'd refer here yeah, there's nothing it's all anonymous yeah well just just now i tried to click on the the, the terms and conditions and it just takes you back to the top of the home page it looks like, <laughs> like a kid's storybook and then so, i mean i'm sat here with the with the website in front of me and then this weird monkey's just popped up in the screen it's like looking at me really bizarrely honestly i not keep saying it and everyone's gonna be fed up with me listening to this pod this is a weird, weird world. Well, so another thing that I always find when I look into this stuff is like, I guess I know quite a lot about it. And then I come across kind of, you know, I won't read out this stuff, but just jargon-filled stuff in the terms and conditions. And everyone looks at it and thinks, oh, I don't understand it. And the reason I think is often there's not anything there. It's just trying to like bamboozle people and sort of almost, they want you to think that it's all far too confusing and you're too, oh, you're not with the times and there's all this, you know, technical stuff that all the kids are doing. But actually it's just like jargon babble to almost throw people off the scent because if you did people what it really was they would just be like this is so obviously ridiculous there's something here explaining what it is it's a storyline i'm just going to read it it says in a magical world where apes ruled the metaverse a magical thousand year old tree sprouted cute baby apes a flock of storks were the loyal companions of the thousand year old tree so that's like a storyline to give you a value 
but an adult, so John, John Terry can't be sat at home, read that and think, that's, that's, got, that's tempted me in that, that story. Like, yeah, that's I, I think this is incredibly weird because obviously no one should be marketing NFTs at actual children. Um, and that's what appears to be going on. <laughs> but do you think, Joey, having done a lot of investigations now on similar things, you mentioned Football Index and already examples where football clubs, football players have been burned from schemes like this. So do you think Premier League, other sort of, authorities within the sport are starting to get a little bit nervous and you mentioned the uk treasury and and rules on advertising and things like that do you think they are getting a bit nervous about the partnerships that clubs and players are entering into or you think they just don't care i think they do care i mean i did a story about norwich i don't know if you you did this on the pod but this betting company and turned out the people basically hardcore porn like influencers were which obviously for like the family club of delia smith is uh not good pr and that was like a huge pr disaster and they cancelled it and then they got another sponsorship really quickly but obviously that was just like hugely embarrassing and i'm sure everyone at the club regretted it but i think that's quite an extreme example because it's so like tangible to people like this is obviously not what we want on like like kids football shirts but i think um i think yes beer like clubs don't want to be associated with with dubious stuff but also there's this just relentless desire for money in football um to pay players wages which are constantly increasing and you know to kind of break the you know the upper few spaces which are clubs funded by oil money and if you're you know everyone just wants to be earning and spending as much money as possible and if you take the moral standpoint and reject like two three five million pounds then you know great you're the upstanding people but you've also probably not been able to sign a striker that you need on loan in the transfer window so like you know these two things are connected like sponsorship revenue means stuff on the pitch it means improving your stadium um so like I kind of, you know, I've, I've spoken to people inside football clubs about this and like, you know, the, some of them feel are slightly embarrassed about it, but like football clubs should have a moral position on, on sponsorships um, and they do conduct due diligence, but also it's kind of on the, the government, right, to like ban things that are really bad for people. And that's kind of happened with, you know, you can't advertise tobacco on football shirts anymore. And if people deem that, so I'm not saying everything crypto related, like shouldn't be advertised on football, but if something is looks like it could be really harmful to people, then I suppose it's not really on some commercial director to understand the intricacies of, you know, blockchain technology. That stuff should be going on at a higher level. Am I going to say baby ape on a football shirt at some point in the near future? Well, I mean, you had, angry, I... you had Angry Birds on Everton's Yeah, well, that was legit, right? So... That was a fun game. Angry Birds is a game. The, I, I, I will that. never forget the mock-up of Theo Walcott as an Angry Bird. It was uncanny. Uh, yeah, it was incredible design. <laughs> Um, I think one of the few, one of the good things I think actually about the comment section of this piece, and it's rare I think you find this in a comment yeah, section. Great, actually. Really well, good just... back and forth. Often it is carnage, and there's like you know people just laying in for no reason. But actually, the comment sections on this piece, and I would really encourage everyone to go there. Really interesting. A lot of people who um, you know are obviously skeptical. A lot of people who are really interested. Some people who even own crypto sort of chipping in with their own thoughts um and um our producer Jonas has, has picked out a few as well for us to kind of specifically focus on um uh, one subscriber's talked about it being a cult and not technology which i suppose is uh is probably a little bit concerning when you kind of use that sort of language isn't it i can see why people would use the word cult i mean you know people who i mean i think a big thing with every sort of crypto product is everyone wants to big up the value of it right so like you know, if you own this eight that you bought for 40 grand and you want to sell it for more, if anyone tells you, oh, it's a load of junk, like you get really angry about that. And um, so there's a lot of kind of aggression around, you know, this is brilliant. This is brilliant. It's going to go up. It's going to go to the moon. Little rocket emojis to the moon. It's like a real part of the whole crypto thing. It's like, 
because you want to sell it to someone for more than you bought it for. So it can feel a bit cultish at times. And I think there's another another subscriber, Tom F. He writes, uh, if you want to go real Black Mirror, what if these NFTs are the new passports to virtual spaces, corridors of power or en- or entire universes? They define the newest societal structures in the metaverse. Of course, that's far-fetched, but a decentralized world is an ideal plan. There are a few people who sort of wrote similar things in the comments about positive thoughts about the potential of this someone was talking about concert tickets and kind of getting and and stopping um touting and things like that so there's people who have quite hopeful desires for what nfts and uh, could lead to but in reality joey it doesn't seem like that's actually the end goal for a lot of these things yeah i, I agree with that and i think you know the metaverse and blockchain and all these things that feel really kind of pie in the sky now are going to be big in the coming years and i think it's very unpredictable to say exactly how um, but I think the, the point, though, is with these cartoon monkeys, is like what can actually do? You know, you can use blockchain technology, for example, in contracts. And if you have different people in different countries, um, like proving that signatures from two directions and it all gets very technical. But I think there are real uses for this stuff. But I think um, I'm not sure this is it. I don't I don't I don't see what the point of the monkey is. And I've you know been trying very hard to work that out for quite a few weeks. I think also this is a really like basic point, which I kind of almost thought I was too stupid when I thought this. And now I've kind of read more and it's true. If you buy the Mona Lisa, right? That's a real thing you can touch. And you can have like a really highly produced copy of it. And I can put it on my wall and it can look the same. But it's not the Mona Lisa because like Leonardo da Vinci did not paint the thing on my wall. If you have an NFT and I right click it and have it, it is the same thing. The NFT is simply like a link, like a code which directs you to the picture. A good analogy is like a treasure map, right? If I have a treasure map and it's a unique treasure map and it tells me the treasure is like at the end of my garden. But it could be that in 10 years time the like treasure moves. Um, and that's kind of like an NFT, like I have a, a hyperlink which like points somewhere. And so you can have like a dead link on the internet, but the actual picture could like move. And the picture doesn't exist on the NFT. Does any of that make sense? I don't know if it does. But obviously, you know, Da Vinci has has made that. So that's that's a one off. You know, he that, that's some someone well known has 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 done that. This monkey is made by some lad in his basement. I'm presuming we don't we don't actually know we don't know who it is that that's done that. Well. So these things are often made by like digital artists who, in that very specific world, are quite well known. Um, okay. Robert, you know, had any heard one heard of them two years ago? Maybe not. But I think the difference is Da Vinci. There's like 500 years of history there that shows that it's valuable. And like in 100 years' time, can I predict the value of the Mona Lisa? No, but can I predict that it'll probably be pretty valuable? As will like a Van Gogh or something. Uh, yes, I think so because that's kind of the like society values these art, these pieces of art, and their reference in literature and like. Whereas will these apes by these digital artists that have just cropped up still be worth money in a hundred years? Like maybe, but I wouldn't put any money on it. So like, I think that the, the, yeah, I mean, it gets kind of like quite philosophical at this point, but like the value of physical art is really underpinned by a lot of, it's in a lot of people's heads as being a thing, which makes it quite hard to just vanish overnight. But I don't know, this could vanish overnight. I might buy one for a laugh, really cheap. Yeah, one. well, I was going to ask you, Dan, before we, before we wrap up with Joey, I want to ask you, doesn't sound like you're, you're into the purchasing a monkey, but Probably would not. you be interested in purchasing an Aston Villa NFT? No. I mean, it's certainly it's certainly not going away. I see most clubs, most footballers getting involved in this space at the moment. Um, so I'm sure we're going to be chatting to you uh, again about it very soon, Joey. Thank you so much for coming on and, and talking about your piece. Thanks for having me. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream direct TV satellite free. You see this? 
this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight? Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I hope we don't chat about it again to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I would oh. love if a week later Dan's like, hey cool kids, oh, get on no, this new but, thing. Because uh, the language is always so like, hello fellow kids. It's so like... Thanks ever so much again to Joey. Just before we go, let's pick up again the Charlie Eccleshears piece. Earlier we were talking about all the COVID postponements flow. It's just... I feel like we're at the point now where we should be drawing a line under it and it, it shouldn't really be happening at this stage. Yeah, I think that that North London derby postponement yeah, really kind of a little bit. turned things. It turned things from what had been a, a quite nervous December period, I think, for a lot of us it, you know, fans, the general public. And I think we had felt perhaps a more empathy towards players and clubs who were going through the same thing and experiencing COVID cases and, and worrying about their health and, and players, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But it feels like the last couple of weeks, things have flipped a little bit. And I think fans and managers, especially, you know, I've seen it in the WSL and the Premier League talking about transparency. I think they're feeling like people are exploiting the rules to suit them. And when they don't have a fully fit squad because of other reasons or have players that are playing in the African Cup of Nations or have loaned out players or sold players this window, they're sort of potentially exploiting the rules a little bit to suit them in order to get games postponed. And I think that's what, you know, Charlie mentions a lot in the pieces. I think that the, the, the thing really shifted at the weekend with the postponement of the Arsenal Spurs game became a little bit more toxic than it had in the previous weeks. And now, you know, especially on Twitter, people are pretty angry at the way that that game was postponed. And, and Charlie mentioned in his piece how Spurs were incandescent, which is one hell of a word. Great when word. Yeah, I love that word. Um, Daniel Levy especially is said to have been absolutely enraged because they were ready to play that game, probably felt quite confident going into it, their chances of winning it. And the game gets called off. And now when it's rescheduled, you know, Arsenal may have a fully fit squad again. Yeah, under 23s games being played on the same day as first team games have been postponed as well. I don't, I don't think that's on really. And, you know, and, and and teams also putting squads out in the FA Cup. You know, the FA were very clear in the FA Cup weekend that they had to go ahead those games. Yeah. And they were unless you had a serious lack of players in your academy and under 23s or whatever, those games are going to go ahead. And I think what that's shown is that you can make it work. And obviously, we know there's a lot of stake in the Premier League. You know, if you get relegated, you could potentially lose a whole lot of money. But at the same time, I think it just leaves a bit of a nasty taste in the mouth. People feel like they're being made to look like fools, you know. Correct me if I'm wrong here, but, you know, Xhaka gets sent off. So they're another player down, Arsenal. Mm. 
you know, you can't just say if he was the one, if they needed one more player to be able to field the team and get and get the game. Like that, that that doesn't feel right either. That because someone's got sent off in the last game, you can call your game off. That that doesn't that doesn't really sit well either. Yeah, and I think I think transparency is the big one, really. And I know people have been talking about it all weekend on the radio, TV, podcasts about the rules. I mean, the, the rules are there, so clubs are allowed to use them as they wish because they're the rules that the Premier League's come up with but the rules aren't particularly concrete they're quite wishy-washy you can kind of look and and the language they use around appropriate under 23 players essentially you know that that's quite vague and you could say oh well this you know Charlie Patino's played what two senior games he's not the right he he doesn't qualify whereas you know some would argue he does so it's it's it is quite sort of unclear and and that just opens up loopholes yeah do check out charlie's piece if you haven't done so already and i'll give a shout out to the the everton reporters as well because there's been some great content around rafa benitez getting the sack and what's going on at everton at the moment as well so do check out their stuff as well and a final reminder from me that you can read every article we've mentioned and so much more by signing up to the athletic save 33 percent on a full subscription today by visiting theathletic.com forward slash football pod Thanks to you as always, Flo, and our thanks goes to Joey as well. And of course, thank you to all of you for listening. Do get involved in the comments, some great comments this week. We'd love to hear your thoughts and wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the show, then please leave us a review too. This was the Athletic Football Podcast. Mark Chapman and Max Slater reconvened to discuss the business of sport tomorrow. You wouldn't hear them talking about cartoon monkeys, that falls to me and Flo. But hopefully you will join us again. The Athletic.